Hey everybody, it's Eric. I'm much better at video hockey. Hey guys, this is Joe. I'm your best friend. What's more important than that? I have a really big goblin monster right right. What? Tom Hanks is all the man she has ever wanted. He's never gone out with someone like you. Come on, it's fun. But he's got a really big secret. He may look like a grown-up. I'm a child, Susan. You think that there is an frightened kid inside of me, too? But all he is, is big. Tom Hanks. It's a glow-in-the-dark compass room. Big. Starts Friday, June 3rd at a Cineplex Odeon and other selected theaters near you. You're listening to Worth a Late Fee, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think that the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. What's new, Joe? Nothing much, Eric. How have you been? Been good. Been good. I've been well, I actually I Bree and I have been watching some TV shows, but we've also been watching I watched just I watched a couple movies. One I can't believe I hadn't watched until now. I, have you seen American Gangster? Oh yeah, with uh Denzel Washington. <clears throat> I saw yeah, it in theaters I, and Russell Crowe. Yeah, I think I started watching that before, but I think I got like interrupted or something, so I, I didn't finish it. And I, I finally watched it last week, and I actually I really liked it. Shouldn't be surprised considering it had Denzel and Russell Crowe, but I, I liked it. It was good. And then also watched um, this one's a little less. <laughs> doesn't have quite the same uh, reputation, but I watched Lawless with Shia LaBeouf and Tom Hardy. You know what? I never saw that, but I remember all the stories around the set with like Shia being shy and like his like crazy acting where he gets really he becomes a character and like punches Tom Hardy in the face. And how was it though? You said it wasn't. Did you like it? I liked it. Yeah, okay. it's you have to like watch it for what it is. Like it's right. you're not you're not watching it like oh this is going to win an Academy Award. But I really liked it. And then at the the end was a the ending wasn't my favorite, but but. I thought it was totally worth watching. You know what I mean? Like you're not, it's not going to be a favorite movie ever, but totally worth watching. I love, Tom, Bri- I love Tom Hardy. So yeah, he's very good in it. Good. <clears throat> and then Brie and I have been watching, um, I can't even think of the name of the show. Um, it's on, it's on uh, Hulu and it's a cooking show. Well, not really a cooking show, a food show. It's Padma Lakshmi. Have you heard of her? I don't think I have. No. If I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, the last name. But uh, she has this cool show. I can't remember the name of her show, her show always, but oh, Taste the Nation. And oh, so I've she's heard just, Taste the Nation. Okay. Yeah. And so then she just released like a mini season um, where they do kind of like they do some of the major holidays, but they do a little twist on each one. Like, for example, the one about Christmas, she's down in uh, Miami. So she's hanging out with a lot of Cuban Americans. And, and, and so they kind of look at that their version of it and some things that they do differently. And then, so it's pretty cool. It's a cool show. Yeah. Sounds, <clears throat> is it, so is it, is it like a, her, like in a cooking set or in a, in a kitchen or is it like an actual, like two like with like no. a story and like, you know, yeah, it's people with story. It's, it's kind of okay. like a, like a no reservations type show. It's not that good. Oh, okay. No reservations to me is like the best, but um, it's that sort of thing. Like she goes down to, to for like for the Christmas one, for example, she goes down to Miami which is the opposite of what you think of with right. Christmas. I think most people think of like snow and whatever. And so she looks at the history behind Cuban Christmas, like some of the stuff that's a little bit different, some of the stuff that's the same and uh, meets different families. And and then obviously talks about food that they eat and everything. It's, it's cool. Oh, cool. It's a cool show. Yeah, it's on I Hulu. Check that out because I do have Hulu. So 
I'll have to check that yeah. out at some point. And each episode's like 30, 35 minutes. So it's a perfect like put it on while you're going to bed show. So yeah. what about you? Been watching anything good? I'm gonna I watched the first season of the morning show way back when it came out and I really enjoyed it. And I'm finally getting around to watching the second season on Apple TV. Um have you seen the morning show? I have not. Okay. It's really, I mean, it's 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 pretty good and um, so far, the second season is starting off pretty strong. So, I've slowly been burning that show off. And tomorrow for movies, now I'm seeing Ghostbusters Afterlife, which I'm I, excited. I'm seeing that with my brother. I'm kind of looking forward to it with Jason Reitman directing and everything. Yeah, I would definitely consider seeing that one in theaters. I, I think I might. I'll see if Bree would be down. Yeah, if not, let me know. It. I'll see it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so, my yeah, brother that's... and I were talking about this. And, like, just because <laughs> the fact that Bill Murray. Hudson and Dan Aykroyd and Sonori Weaver, they're all in this movie. I'm like, it feels like an actual, like, it obviously is a continuation of the after the, the original two movies, but it feels like an actual continuation, which is kind of cool, right? Right, so. no, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely check that one out. Um, anything else, anything else new? Any, not really, nothing. I've been playing, I've been going back for all the gamers out there, I've been going back to the classics and playing some Final Fantasy 3. So, <laughs> same, I've been playing <laughs> yeah, NHL 22. Yeah. Yeah, I know, man. You that gaming life hashtag gamer. That gamer lifestyle. <laughs> if I wasn't afraid of my camera would turn off, I would show you right now. It's NHL is on my TV right now. I'm in, Unbelievable. In, in the second period of a uh, game against uh, San Jose. So. Well, you're the you're you're you're, <clears throat> you're feeling it, man. The gamer life. Yep. You can come gamer to PAX life. with us in April. PAX Boston, the gaming convention. I, you think you think it'll definitely happen, or you think? Oh no! But oh yeah, it, should be it sounds like it sounds like it will. Yeah, it sounds like they pretty much made it clear that as long as you have vaccination proof, you're good to go. My work, we have a show in December, so in in a few weeks. And uh, when they first announced it, it got canceled last year. It's like an Expo Center show, and it got canceled last year. And then this year, when they first announced it, like a few months ago, I was like, "That's not going to happen. Like, there's no way it's going to happen." And now. <clears throat> it's a few weeks away and i was like oh i guess it's happening i guess i should start getting ready for for that so but that's good yeah you know? <clears throat> so yeah. anyway back to the movie we were talking about you guys heard the trailer you heard our quotes uh we announced on the the end of the, the episode last week but we're going to be talking about the movie big starring tom hanks it was it was my pick and we'll get into the movie a little bit but to go with it i'm drinking a beer it'll make sense if i if you see the can and i'll try to remember to put a picture of it the beer is called Freezies and Hoverboards from Southern Giant Brewery or Southern Giant Beer. Um, it's cool. It just I, I think it goes along with, you know, in the movie, Tom Hanks' character, Josh, works for a toy company and he tests out toys and it kind of it kind of goes with that. So it's a good pick. I, <laughs> yeah. I also have a beer tonight, Eric. Oh, what are you drinking? I'm drinking Sam Adams Oktoberfest. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> you know what's funny is... um. When you do your Christmas picks, I won't name the beer that I'm drinking, but this is just a bad beer story. I went to I went to my friends the other day and I was gonna go hang out outside with them and I wanted some beers in a bottle because I don't like drinking good beers out of a can. I don't know, it's just weird, some weird thing I have. So I went into this other brew uh, beer store in Haverhill that I really like, and there's this kid in there who's the best. He's so nice. He always gives the best recommendations or good recommendations. And so I told him my deal. I was like, I don't want anything too strong because I'm going to have a couple of these, a few of these. And I wanted to be in a bottle. And I, I wanted, I shouldn't have said anything. I should have just taken the Sam's like winter, white winter or whatever they call it. Or I don't yeah. know what it's called. Um, <clears throat> but I didn't. He recommended this other Christmas ale 
that again I won't name because I'm gonna say bad things about it. But I was like, oh, I'll probably like that. And I took it. I went over to Scotty Adams' house. I took one sip of it. I was like, this is disgusting. This is the worst. <laughs> and the thing that's awesome about RMA beer, where I usually go, is you can just buy one or two. And so now I have a, I have a five left of this beer that I don't like. And I'm like, oh, I'm, but I'll, I'll drink them when we're watching the, watching yeah. the Christmas movies and talking about those. When you go to RMA for some of our Christmas <clears throat> picks, do they, are they already, um, do they have Christmas beers out oh, yeah. yet, or is it too early? Do they? Nope, they have them. I may have to uh, take a ride with you next time you go yeah. and yeah, uh, pick know. some out for movies and all that because this is what I look for. I love the Christmas beers. Yeah. So, so um, this was my pick. Um, this big, big is was my pick, and I picked it because I don't think we've done many, if any, Tom Hanks movies, have we? I don't think we have. Uh, yeah, I don't think we. Uh, League of, uh, League of <clears> Their Own. Oh, that's right. That's right. League of Their Own. Yep. So, and I had to counter your Colin Hanks pick. So, nice. I will say. Your reaction to my pick made me a little nervous. It did. Because when I said that I picked it, you were like, I just watched that like the other week or something. And then you were like, have you seen it in a while? And I was like, no. And then afterwards, I was like, I wonder if Joe watched it. And was like, this movie sucks. <laughs> so my, you can get into your memory of the film in a second. But my memory is, I think I said this when I announced it. This is one of the first movies that I remember seeing. I should say one of the first like non-children's movies that I remember. Um, my mom's a big Tom Hanks fan. She's not really even a movie person either, but we had the VHS. I think it's just because he, he's such a likable dude and um, he's a great actor, obviously, but he's probably the most, would you say he's the most likable celebrity on earth? He's, he has to yeah, be up there. He's definitely up there. Yeah. <clears throat> he's who he made. He, him and uh, <clears throat> was it John Cusack went by America's sweetheart. And like, I feel like Tom Hanks is even like, Tom Hanks blows Tom, John Cusack that's what away. That's what I'm saying. Tom Hanks is a better, like, nice oh, yeah. mutation than he does so i feel like you know Way better maybe maybe keanu reeves is keanu like, reeves is the other one like, i was thinking but yeah but i feel like keanu reeves is like keep to himself nice yes whereas yep. like tom hanks i listened to an episode of um oh my god smartless it's uh jason bateman um will arnett can't oh, remember the other guys. It's like our yeah. development reunion. I know this existed. Well, and then they have um, oh my god, I keep on space on his name. The guy from uh Will and Grace. Um it's a really good podcast. I'm looking it up right now because I don't want to I don't want to ruin this. But anyway, they had Tom Hanks on the other day, and I was like listening to the episode, and I'm like, Oh, right here we go. Uh uh Sean Hayes. Oh, Sean Hayes, yeah. Okay. Sorry, Sean. Um, <clears throat> so they had Tom Hanks on and they're interviewing him. And he felt like he could have talked to them for four hours. Like you could tell they're trying to be like, all right, we're trying to respect your time or whatever. But he is, he's like totally unaware of how famous and successful and loved he is. So just super likable guy. So like, so that's kind of what I remember about it. Um, and then other than that, after rewatching it, it had been a while since I had watched it. And today rewatching it, I realized that the only scenes that I remembered were the Zoltar scenes the shimmy shimmy coca pop uh yeah. rap or like whatever between him and his buddy and then obviously the dancing on the keyboard scene yeah what about you what's your memory of the film before you rewatched it like a week ago or whatever it was yeah i so i this is a movie that you know it comes on tv once in a while and i'll and i'll stop and watch it um i don't know the first time i saw this movie but like you said certain things i remember before seeing it again you know however recently and then before that however long ago it was but i remember certain things from when I saw it as a kid, such as, you know, he was living, he was living the dream. He was had this awesome apartment. I remember this really cool apartment with the basketball and like all that, the trampoline. Yes. 
I remember, like you said, the F.O. Schwartz uh, <laughs> piano scene. And I remember just like, obviously there's just like the kid, the fun stuff, like the arcade machine. So like, I don't remember any of the, like, the adult, like what adulthood Same. was like. So. Same. Yeah, I remember too when I was a kid being like, oh, I want an apartment like that. And now I watch it and I'm like, that apartment would cost you $50,000 a month. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so dear. That's one thing that stinks about rewatching movies like this is you can't, you can't see them. And that's kind of, kind of ties in with this movie. It's just like the innocence of being a kid. Right. You can't, you can't watch Home Alone and not go like, man, their house is insane. Like, what does that guy do for work? <laughs> right. You know, and you can't watch this and not say like, that apartment you're living in would cost you probably, I don't even know, an insane amount of money. Oh, yeah. I love to see when they, when they get when they get paid. $187. <laughs> and then uh, right, yeah. right, right next to him, he's like, I know, they really screw you here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. The fact that like, that's what they're getting paid back then is wild. So true. <laughs> um, so do you have any stats as far as how this did uh, money-wise? I do. So Big came out on June 3rd, 1988. With a budget of 18 million, making 151.7 million in the box office. Pretty written, good. Pretty good. It was written by. I'm surprised it's never like. Thank God I didn't. But I'm surprised I never never spawned off a sequel or whatever with that success. Yeah, true. Um, it was written by Gary Ross and Anne Spielberg, who's the sister of Steven Spielberg. Gary Ross has had a pretty good career as the writer and director of the pretty amazing film um, Pleasantville. He's also done Sea Biscuit. The Hunger Games, and most recently, Ocean's 8 in 2018. And Spielberg has really only done this film, which was nominated for an Academy Award for That's Best crazy. Screenplay. I know, right? So she's like, the fact that this is her only script and she get, and it got nominated for an Oscar, crazy. And the fact that she's Steven Spielberg's sister. Right. And it was also an uncredited co-writer on Small Soldiers, which is another past episode of ours. I feel that, Eric. <laughs> no comment. Joe liked that one more than I did. That's all I'll say. Big was directed by Penny Marshall, who's had a lot of work as an actress, producer, and director. Since she, since she directed this movie, we'll focus on that with some of the directing credits, which was The Preacher's Wife, Ryan Cars with Boys, and as we mentioned a few moments ago, A League of Their Own, which was another past episode of ours, and A Little Reunion with Tom Hanks. Um, I write do, you know this... what she, do you know what she was a producer of? I was just going to say, I write this down behind the back of my head. Cinderella Man. Yes. Just to make a note of it, because as you know, as if anyone's listening to this episode, these, this podcast, Eric and I every once in a while we'll go on this like tangent on how amazing Cinderella Man is. So. Underrated. <laughs> yeah. Cinderella Man was also the first time I liked Renee Zellweger. Not <laughs> not as like a person. I'm sure she's a very nice lady, but I never really was a fan of her work. And then when I saw Cinderella Man, I was like, okay, I love her now. So. Yep. Accuracy, which version of this movie did you watch? Did you watch the theatrical or the extended cut? I watched whatever's on Amazon for rental, so I'm not sure. How long was it? Like an hour and 40-something minutes, I think. Okay, so I think the direct the extended cut, which I've seen a, a long time ago, I didn't watch because it's, it's like 130 minutes long, over two hours long. Oh, no, uh, I didn't watch that. Yeah, so that's actually, people like that version more because it has more of the background of him kind of coming into adulthood which i guess was one of my biggest complaints as a in like in the theatrical version here but yeah i was just curious because i would like, go back and rewatch that yeah because it's like i guess my review is going to be kind of based on that version i just want to make okay. note of that it's going to be based on the theatrical version but yeah so good to know so did well financially made a ton of money critically um 7.3 out of 10 on imdb 97 percent on rotten tomatoes 
I couldn't find a written review of this one from Ebert. So I, I watched the old Siskel and Ebert clip, which that took me back. Um, they both said that they were surprised at how much they liked this movie. And that was mostly because at the time there was kind of a run on movies where the children, children in adult movie, adult body sort of movies. So I think they were kind of burnt out on them, but then they both said like, I went into this thinking I wasn't going to like it because I was kind of done with those sort of thing, but I really liked it. Um, two thumbs up from Cisco and Ebron on the show. So, and then I also have to mention critically <clears throat> in 2000, this is on AFI's list of hundred years, hundred laughs. It was number 42. And in 2008, it was on AFI's top 10 fantasy films. So I don't really think of it as a fantasy film, but I guess it makes sense. So I had to mention that. As far as people that were involved and what they were doing going into the film, uh, actually, you know what? Before you get into that, um, stuff that was going on in the world. So you said it came out in June of 88. Yes. So this one, and we talked about this because we've done one movie from this month. What a month this was. So in June of 88, movies that came out, Big, Funny Farm, Bull Durham, The Great Outdoors, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and Coming to America. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've been on a cold streak for like this question. A few of the past episodes have been like, oh, not much came out this episode. So when I when I looked at this month, I was like, wow, that's that's gonna be tough to keep up with. But um, this definitely snaps out of that cold streak. What a month. And then outside of film, uh, everything your heart desires by Hall and Oates peaked at number three on the charts. Ricky Henderson broke some base running record, like he did every month during the 80s. Uh, there was a charity concert for Nelson Mandela, which featured Whitney Houston, Phil Collins, Dire Straits, Stevie Wonder, Tracy Chapman, and more. And then George Harrison released This Is Love. So I think a solid all-around month compared to, you know, I'm sure there was some assassination stuff that I missed, but yeah, well, we'll, positive we'll brush over those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to talk about that. Do you have the, do you have the back of the DVD summary for, for I, Big? I do. After a wish turns 12-year-old Josh Baskin into a 30-year-old man, he heads to New York City and gets a low-level job at McMillan Toy Company. A chance encounter with the owner of the company leads to promotion testing new toys. Soon, a fellow employee, Susan Lawrence, takes a romantic interest in Josh. However, the pressure of living as an adult begins to overwhelm him, and he longs to return to his simple, former life as a boy. Pretty good. Pretty good summary. Sorry, pretty, much, pretty much nails, like, how overwhelming it sounds like it'd be so like they captured that in this movie so well how the stress of like working like this job versus his simple life as a kid like they really what do he, capture what he that. thought was stressful yeah we, they captured that perfectly so i think that is something that will go on forever is that when you were a kid happened to me probably happened to you take advantage you, of it you take, you, it for, like, you, take it, you take it for granted you really do yep. you're like dad i have to do half hour of homework and he's like you have no idea what stress is and yeah. like every kid does it and now as an adult you're like yep they were right <laughs> so some of the major cast members you already talked about the director but some of the cast members and what they were doing going into the movie we'll start with tom hanks have you ever heard of him um so i, I this is just a few of his, his movies splash bachelor party money pit big the burbs turner and hooch turner and hooch uh, League of Their Own, Sleepless in Seattle, Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, Paul 13, Toy Story, That Thing You Do, Saving Private Ryan, You've Got Mail, Green Mile, Castaway, Road to Perdition, Catch Me If You Can, Lady Killers, Terminal, Polar Express, Da Vinci Code, and a million more. Two best, best actor Academy Awards in a row for Philadelphia and Forrest Gump. 
Tony Awards, Emmys, you name it, he's won it. And one of like the we, best actors ever. Ever. Yeah. Yep. Ever. Um, and the uh that podcast that I was talking about, Smartless, I thought you'd like this. They asked, or maybe it was a different one. I feel like he was on like maybe it was must have been Conan or I don't remember what other podcasts I listened to that he would have been on, but some interview of him that I've, I listened to recently, he talked about how um, one of his favorite movies that he's worked on is uh, That Thing You Do, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, he, I mean, he directed he directed and acted in that. <laughs> right. So that's like his baby. Right, right. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. So then Elizabeth Perkins, who plays Susan, you know her from uh, About Last Night, the Flintstones movie where she played Wilma. Uh, Miracle on 34th Street, the 1994 version. Uh, Avalon, um, he said, she said, and the show Weeds. So those are her her big accomplishments. And then Robert Loja, whose name I can't read without saying Robert Loja. Um, another one of those old Hollywood legends that I think people our age know. We know who they are. He's unfortunately passed away, but you see his face, you recognize it, but we missed his prime. We missed a lot of his great work, so he was in The Greatest Story Ever Told in 65, Revenge of the Pink Panther in 78, Officer and a Gentleman in 82, Scarface in 83, Over the Top, uh, Oliver and Company in That's 88. Right, so he's over the top. He plays the uh, yep. the, step, like the older, the stepfather or whatever it yep. is. Or, yeah. okay. <laughs> uh, Independence Day. And Independence Day is like the kind of role that I think we know him for. Is, um, but yeah, I think we know his voice as much as we know his name. But um more of a character actor for our generation, but he was nominated for best supporting actor for Jagged Edge in 85. He won a Saturn award for this one for big. So very so he, talented I mean, he, guy. He was great in this movie. He's one of the, he was awesome. He's great in this movie. Yeah. And then the last one I want to talk to was uh talk about was Jared Rushton who played uh, his buddy, Billy best known for this and honey, I shrunk the kids. Uh, and then overboard also has a lot of TV work, a lot of like one or two episodes here and there for shows in the eighties and nineties, but I thought he was awesome in this. So, Wanted to mention that. Yeah. Do you have anything down for random facts like trivia? I have. Uh, yeah, I have. Well, I have, I have a few things written down here. I'll give you one of them because I think we're going to talk about it anyways. Um, so Penny Marsh became the first film director to ever direct a movie that grossed more than 100 million at the box office with this movie. Quite the accomplishment. And do you know that? I don't know. Keep going. Keep going. Keep you have this down. So this is actually a really cool little fun fact here. To give Tom Hanks an idea of how a 13-year-old would behave, director Penny Marshall filmed each grown-up scene with David Mosco, young Josh, playing Hanks' part, who then copied Mosco's behavior. Hanks would go on to do something similar for Forrest Gump when he would spend time with Michael Connor Humphreys, who played young Forrest, and imitates the Southern accent to prepare for the part. So really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, shows like how, again, how Penny Marshall seemed like she knew it. He was like, That's why it was so successful. It's like, yeah, like she knew what she was doing. So according to Robert Loja, on the day they filmed the famous keyboard scene at F.A.O. Schwartz, he and Tom Hanks noticed that doubles dressed like them were on hand just in case the two could not do the dance moves correctly. It became their goal to do the entire keyboard number without the aid of the doubles. They succeeded. I saw that. That was pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It shows, again, how cool those two must have been together. And then my last little fun fact here, Tom Hanks improvised the scene where he eats the baby corn as if it were a normal sized corn of the cob. I saw that too. That's, that's awesome. So good. And that scene really was like, I kind of wish we saw like, like people glancing over at him doing this because it's completely ridiculous. <laughs> but I mean, I used to do it as a kid too. I used to eat corn, little corn, things like that as a kid. So that's all you know. Yep. So you mentioned Penny Marshall as the director. 
John Landis was considered to direct this movie, but he turned down to do uh, to direct Coming to America. So that worked out for both, both people. Right, exactly. Yeah. Right. And there's a couple, there's a couple things like that. So other people for considered that were considered for Josh Baskin. And I left some people out. This, but just to give you an idea. Um, because Hanks initially couldn't do it because he of Dragnet, he was committed. So Harrison Ford turned it down. De Niro, I think, was going to do it, but he was too expensive. Steve Gutenberg turned it down to do Three Men and a Baby. He must be happy about that. Yeah, yeah. Bill Murray turned it down for Scrooged. Robin Williams uh, was considered. Judge Reinhold was considered. Michael Keaton and Albert Brooks. And now I feel like they of- all. I feel like they all did really well with their choices to make, <clears throat> with the exception of possibly Judge Reinhold. What, what was he doing instead? Was Beverly Hills Cop out that time, or like one of the? No, Judge Reinhold. It's funny you mentioned that. Um, he he did a movie that I'm spacing on right now, but it's one of the movies that people considered similar to this one where he played a, um, um, what the heck was it? Uh, I can't think of it, but it was like a movie where he was uh, a little kid in a, in an adult's body. So, um, but I'll find it. Right. (laughs) Right, The micro was flooded with these movies. Yeah, it's true. So, um, so yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And out of all those, I think Robin Williams could have done some of this stuff, but I don't think, I think the only one that could have pulled this off was Hanks. So, um, and then the, the shimmy, shimmy, Coco pop rap was Tom Hanks's idea. According to Tom Hanks in an interview with, with Jonathan Ross, the rap was something his son had learned at summer camp and Hanks came up with a rap for the film and made, made, the, made up the words to the rap. So that was pretty cool. I can picture it's Colin Hanks doing this now. Assuming that's what he's talking about. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Um, Ivan Reitman was approached to direct, but turned it down to make twins. So Ivan Reitman turned it down to make twins. Um, Gutenberg turned it down to make three men and a baby. Bill, Ma- Bill Murray turned it down for Scrooge. Um, so people turning it down, but they did, at least it was for stuff that did all right. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. What did you have down for stuff that wouldn't fly uh, today? Just the fact that, I mean... It's, it's, it's a PG movie, but just the fact that he was a, a, a kid in an adult body and he ended up hooking up with Susan was definitely like, <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's like they, they did a good job with this. So like it's I, everything I think would be fine for camp if it was made today, it'd all be, it'd be okay. But just the idea of a 12 year old hooking up with this woman just made me kind of like, I, I laughed a little during the whole sequence, like him trying yeah. to figure it out. <laughs> there was a couple moments where that was, I think they did a good job of that for like 98% of the movie. There's a couple moments, and I'll get into that later, where I was like, "All right, probably could have done without that." So I agree. <laughs> the whole with you. Boob grabbing scene, for example. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. And then, uh, so yeah, I agree with that. That's really all I had. And then the only other thing I had to mention is, along with Spaceballs, Caddyshack Two, and Beetlejuice, this film is notable for containing the F word in a film rated PG during the PG thirteen era. So really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really interesting. I wonder what the science factor is for that. Like, what the MPAA is like. Okay, this is. This is okay. Like, what? Yeah, how they, how they decide on that? <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, Jared. Right, it's when his buddy Billy's like kind of like letting him know how pissed he is. So, yeah, it's a cool scene. So, it's I mean, it, it definitely it's an impactful scene because of the F word. It really does <laughs> right. add a whole lot of extra oomph to it. Right. So all that kind of ties into so for favorite scene, I had a few scenes that I wanted to mention, but I think uh, Jared Rushton, who played Billy, he really was like not the MVP of this one, but you can't expect much for, from a guy in that role usually. And I thought he was awesome. So a few scenes that I loved this 
scene where he first where um tom hanks character josh first sees billy after turning into an adult and billy's initial reaction is like he's freaking out because he's like kind of trapped in a room with this you know guy that's like in his mid-20s or looks like he's in his mid-20s but i love the what makes him totally trust the new guy the new josh even though he's definitely shouldn't is that he knows the words to the shimmy shimmy song it's such a like a 12 year old kid secret secret password sort of thing um and then another scene where he shines is where billy shines the one we just talked about where he calls out josh for selling out and he says i'm your best friend what's more important than that and just kind of lets josh know that he's like slipping into adulthood and he doesn't have to and he's being an an a-hole so those two are probably my favorite and then a bonus one that i wanted to mention was the scene that starts at the company dinner and then moves into the limo ride and how just josh just looks like so ridiculous in his tux and he's so impressed with like the simplest things like free appetizers. It reminded me of myself now, like my wife would probably say that. Like when you go to weddings, I just go nuts over that stuff. But really when they're in the limo and he's like messing with all the buttons, he thinks the limo is the coolest thing he's ever seen. It's goofy, but not a lot of actors could pull that off and really look like truly impressed by all that stuff. Right. He was a mean? kid, man. Like he, he yep. played it so well. Yep. Yep. So what about you? What's your favorite scene? I love the scene when he's kind of like what you said, actually, about how um, slipping into adulthood and like losing himself. I love the scene when he's when um, he spends a night with Susan at his place for the first time because of the opposite that she's too much of an adult. And I love how we see her having fun with him with all this like his trampoline and she's enjoying herself. And it feels like like, you know, again, she can be a kid with this character and it's really yeah. really it's a really really she's cool going, scene she's going like meeting him in the middle she's going down to his level in that way exactly and like it's and like it's it's a fun like it's because again we definitely we, lo- we lose ourselves in adulthood sometimes i feel like this movie definitely reminds me to like it reminds a lot of people i'm sure to kind of have fun and you know don't take everything too seriously um and then i love the scene as cliche as it is the fao schwartz scene because no, not so much because the piano which i do love i love how it's the boss and him kind of like bonding and because he's he plays such a great character to begin with so them kind of bonding over that scene was really really fun and the fact that again they did this on their own to just like kind of prove themselves that they could it's a really cool little fun fact behind it all and if you've ever they, they closed down now unfortunately but fl schwartz in uh new york for a while it was so fun because like there was obviously because of this movie no matter when you won the 2012 2013 20, 30, 20 years later, whatever, three years later, there was still long lines wrapping around just because of this movie. Like people wanted to like yeah. jump on the piano scene. Like so it's really cool how like how this movie's cut over different generations. Yeah, no, that's cool. That and I agree. That's sometimes a a classic like replayed scene. You watch it and you're like, oh, that's not as good as I as you heard it was or as you remember it. No, that scene's awesome. Oh so. yeah. And it's, it's funny because they actually have again, place closed down unfortunately. I think it reopened, but I'm not sure if how big locations that they brought this or not, but they actually like mark the keys for big. So you can like step on them and like play the same notes that, you know, Tom Hanks' character did. So it's, have you been cool? I've, I've, my last time I went was in 2012 at the original location. So I think they've since closed and moved. So I haven't been to the new location yet, but um, it was just really cool. Like it's just, this one thing I never forgot was having seen this line with like little kids and like, like they, they're, they're, they're trying to copy the big, the big song so it was right. just really cool in the generation like the torch being passed that's awesome yeah no that, that is that scene is awesome it's it's i'm glad that was one of the ones that i remembered yeah. that and the zoltar stuff like that stuff is, is still cool you know what i mean so from the positive to the negative 
uh, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but if you could change one thing, my minor thing that I would change is I wish they weren't Yankees fans, but I guess <laughs> since they're from, since they're from New Jersey, New York, I'll let that slide. But seriously, the the scene where uh, Josh and Suzanne Susan finally hook up, it's uncomfortable, and part of it is that Tom Hanks has been so convincing as a twelve year old. So even though you see Tom Hanks standing next to a woman in her bra and like, like you said, like getting handsy, you're that you see Tom Hanks physically, but you're thinking it's a 12 year old. And I think they could have gotten that point across without her standing in a bra and having him like touch her like that, like have them kiss in the bed, have him kiss in the bedroom. And then the door closes yeah. and you, and like, then, you get the point. And then use your imagination. Right. <laughs> exactly. So and then also the ending, spoiler alert, where he's walking home and instantly shrinks and, and like the suit's too big or whatever. And then Susan still looks at him with creepy eyes. A, it's kind of creepy. And then, but really, I just thought they could have done better than that. That seemed like lazy yeah. after, after all the work they'd done and everything. It just seemed like that was too easy. But their relationship, like I said, somehow didn't bother me really, except yeah. for those two scenes. Right, you're, and, you're, you're telling Tom Hanks, there's just good, I guess, in some scenes. Right, right, right. So, what about you? What would you change? I actually agree with you. I didn't think of that, but I, the way it ends with him just kind of shrinking as he's walking back to his house was kind of, I feel like, a cop out. Because it's like, you know, the fact that's happening right at that given moment when he's happening, he happens to be walking home. So, like, I feel like that was kind of like you it's said. Lazy. Yeah, I agree with that. And the other thing I mentioned was I actually didn't know this. I had this down before I read, um, before I looked into this. But I thought that he accepts adulthood way too fast in my original thing. Like he gets way too comfortable and he becomes, becomes way too successful, I guess, kind of quickly, uh-huh. which is, you know, it's, he does a good job in the business side of things, but just living by himself. And I felt like that moved too fast. But then reading that the extended version covers that. And it's been so, so, so long since I've seen the extended cut. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen the extended cut. I would like to. It's been a long time. And the fact that they mentioned that they fill in those gaps, I feel like I have something I'm going to revisit pretty soon just to see how well they fill in those gaps. Because in this movie, I felt like it did move a little too fast with him going from, you know, having that 12 year old mentality to all of a sudden, you know, living on his own and surviving. <laughs> so that's, that's, that was my probably biggest thing was how fast he moved as an adult. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I, and I think, I hope that in the extended scene for if and when I, I watch it, I hope there's more Billy scenes because that kid was awesome. Yeah, he really was great. He was good. So um, anyways, if you listen to the podcast before, you know that this oh. is... Oh, what? What's up? I was going to say, how about soundtrack? Because this is a good oh, one. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, yeah sorry. This, sorry. This, sorry. This, this, over that. this is a good one. So just because it's the first time we've actually mentioned this guy <laughs> and he's such he's such a legend. So this film was, I thought, I thought it had a really beautiful soundtrack and it was composed by the great Howard Shore. So crazy to think that this might be the first time he's popped up in our podcast with how extensive his career is. But there's one thing that people know him by. It's his amazing work on the Lord of the Rings films. Um, but other than that, he's worked on scores for The Fly, Silence of the Lambs, Mrs. Delphire, That Thing You Do, and a ton of others. So Howard Shore is definitely considered one of the greats in the composing world. Yeah, and this and this one, some, some movies in general, but it's, it's, and then additionally some movies that you get kind of excited for the score i'm like nah i don't really get it. i don't really see what it added to it but this this one was it was a good one so yeah good catch sorry I'm glad i didn't skip over that so now i guess this is the uh the big reveal eric 
big room feel? How do you feel about this film? It is. I've been, I've been, I've, well, I've been nervous. So, like I said, like I started to say, um, if you listen before, you know that this is the part of the podcast we give our review, our score. Uh, we rate movies on a scale of one to five. Would you mind paying a late fee to keep this movie? So a score of one is you get a few minutes in, and maybe as soon as he goes to a, a carnival and wishes to a to like a machine and turns into an adult and he wakes up in his tidy whities you're like, this is stupid. I don't want to watch Tom Hanks in his tidy whities No offense, Tom Hanks. And you turn it off all the way up to the score of five, which is you're going to watch the whole thing through. Then Joe tells you about the extended version. So you go and you get that. I watch that. So, and then you show it to your friends and you keep it a few extra days. You don't mind paying a late fee. Maybe even just buy it from the video rental store. So this is my pick. So Joe's going to go first. And like I've said a few times, uh, I'm nervous to hear what Joe says. Before I get into my review, you know what really they didn't do? I kept, I kept thinking like they would do it when I, just because like it's one of those movies where again back in that time ever it wasn't a, it wasn't considered problematic in this. But I my biggest fear watching this was when he if he ever saw his childhood crush, which he saw, which we really see him as an adult. My biggest fear was him doing something creepy to this little girl oh, as no. an adult. So I was like, my time the entire time, I'm like, please don't do this and ruin this movie for me. <laughs> Well, you know what's so funny about that, though, is that just goes to show you, like, and I agree with it, but this movie, as is, you're like, there's a couple creepy scenes, whatever. <laughs> if this is the exact same movie, but the it was a girl getting older, and and or it, it was a girl who was faking being older, and this was like, so it was Tom Hanks as an as a real adult hooking up with what's really a 12 year old girl you'd be like get off my screen even if it's tom hanks i don't care how likable you are but so anyway you know it's a good point i'm glad they didn't do that as well yeah but i really enjoy this movie obviously this is one of those films that as i mentioned is just passed on from generation to generation and it still has so many memorable scenes in it the cast was awesome tom hanks his chemistry with billy and his boss and susan it's all so good, I thought. There were a couple of things, like I mentioned, that were very nitpicky, like how fast it was into adulthood. But just to make it clear again, this review is based on the theatrical version because the extended might fix all those problems for me. But in the end, I love this movie. And it's one of those ones that I can watch over and over again because I typically, I really pretty much do when I was on TV, which is a theatrical version I show. So I get this movie a four and a half out of five. Oh, good. I had nothing to, nothing to fear. That's good. I was worried. <laughs> I, I assumed you know what to say about that. So um, like I said earlier, and like I just said, again, I was nervous to rewatch this one after I heard your reaction to me picking it. Cause I hadn't watched this in, I, I didn't know how long it was, but after rewatching it, it's probably been 20 years since I've seen this movie or close to that. Um, the story itself is very good. Not as good as I remembered it maybe, or that I, that as some people think, but it's, it's good. Tom Hanks is amazing. And there aren't many grown adults that can convince you that they're a little kid in an adult body. And Tom Hanks does it and he does it perfectly. So everything from how he moves playing racquetball in that scene with the jerk played by John Hurd. Yeah, I know. Late, John the Hurd. late, great know, we, John Hurd. Yes, yeah, so we mentioned him. He was great in this movie too. He was a great like enemy asshole, character. Right. Yeah. In a good way. Like he did exactly, you hated him and that's what yeah. you're supposed to do. So, so when he plays racquetball with John Hurd, everything from that to like his facial expressions, just so believable, so a little kid like i said that's what made it uncomfortable when he ended up hooking up with susan as you're like even though i know that tom hanks i've seen him in a million things i'm like that's a 12 year old kid right now so 
And I also want to mention that I think this is accidentally a good pick as we head into the holidays, Joe. I thought you'd appreciate this because I love it when a movie when a movie reminds us of like the great things about being a little kid. Yeah. The innocence, caring about the right things, being impressed by like the littlest things. So I thought that was nice. I also gave this a four and a half out of five. If it was, but I have to say, if it was anyone but Hanks, I probably would have given this like a two and a half or a three. He Hanks, he became a kid, which is he, he was carried this movie. Yep. And everyone else us. is good, like you said. Everyone else is good, like you said. But yep. if it was anyone else, I, I would have been like, this is just creepy and yeah. weird. Uh, he was super convincing. <laughs> he did a, such a great job this movie. So I'm going to say one more thing about the beer and then Joe can get into his favorite time of year. So Freezies and Hoverboards, again, it's a sour uh, from Southern Giant. Very good, very refreshing, not too sour. So definitely recommend that. Now, uh, and then also follow us on a, uh, on Instagram, worth a leafy. Send any suggestions in. We'll, we'll get to them as soon as we can, except for this is Joe's favorite time of year. And this is his, uh, this is his pick. So, Joe, what are we watching next? All right, everyone. It's the most wonderful time of the year. So by the time this episode gets out, it'll be after Thanksgiving, which moves us into Christmas territory here. So I have a few different moves I want to definitely get to this year. Um, I have a couple. I, I know what, what I want to end it on. Um, but this movie is one that I've never seen, but I've always kind of wanted to. And it seems to be like a forgotten Steve Martin film, I feel like. One of the, one of the ones that he doesn't get a lot of recognition for. And it is the film Mix Nuts by that is directed by Nora Ephron. So, so we'll figure out if it's a forgotten film for good reason or, yep. or if it's just or not so much. Yeah, the critics were very kind with it when it came out in '94. So hopefully we have different opinions on it. <laughs> well, like we've said about other Steve Martin films that we've done, he the best Steve Martin film. Not everyone's gonna love it because his sense of humor is right weird in a good way. But yep. so we'll see if it's if it's that if it's just people don't get Steve Martin's humor or if it's not a good movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but all right, guys, thank you guys very much for listening, and we'll be back next week. As always, thank you. <laughs>